0: Welcome back. We've been talking about the problem of evil, one of the most difficult questions that faces a believer in God. What solutions do we find to evil in this world? Well, as I began to talk about on our last episode, in order to find solutions to evil, we cannot look just within this realm. We have to look beyond this realm to eternity. Suffering is in the world because sin is in the world. And because sin is in the world, not only do we suffer, but we also face death. Some of us look at death and we think, well, that's the end, so I might as well live life to the fullest. I might as well enjoy my life to the greatest degree possible. But what we find in that pursuit is that it doesn't give us any sense of fulfillment or meaning or purpose, that at the end of all that pleasure, at the end of all that happiness, death still waits. Suffering is still present. So, a life lived for pleasure leaves us with a sense of meaninglessness. So, the Bible encourages us to enjoy the good in life because God has instilled in this realm good things. The Bible says, enjoy those good things, but remember to live responsibly. Remember that there is a day of judgment that awaits following death. And it's that sense of ultimate accountability that helps us to shape our life. And it not only helps us to live responsibly, it also helps us to understand what is happening around us. When we see other people suffering from the choices of others, from the sins and the crimes of other people, we can be left with a sense of injustice. How can God allow these things to happen? But if we bear in mind that one day those perpetrators will be held accountable for their crimes, that God will one day right all wrongs, that he will one day give justice to victims, then we can rest assured. We can find comfort in that knowledge, in that understanding. So it's when we look beyond this realm, when we look beyond the realm in which we live to eternity, that we can find real solutions to the problem of evil. So the concept of eternity helps straighten out the paths that are made crooked by evil in this world. I'd like to continue along this train of thought in this episode by considering there is a malevolent force at work among us. And that malevolent force is not of this world. And that malevolent force is very much present. And I think his presence helps us to understand evil to a greater degree. I'd like to go back first to the story of Job. It's a story to which I have referred many times in our study of evil. Job lost a a significant portion of his wealth, He lost his children to a terrible windstorm, and his own health was jeopardized when he was struck from head to foot with boils. Job went through an intense period of suffering, and all this happened, it seems, in a very short period of time. Job's friends come to him. They discuss his circumstances. His friends are convinced that Job is hiding some secret sin, that deep down Job is a deeply unrighteous man, and that his hidden unrighteousness explains all the terrible things that have happened to him. They basically say this is karma at work, Job, and Job defends himself. He says, I'm not guilty of of unrighteousness to this degree. How can how can my conduct warrant this sort of response from God? And he blames God for his troubles. He lays the responsibility for his troubles at God's feet. Eventually, God defends himself and reminds Job of who he is, that he is the creator of the universe, and who is Job to question God? Now, what's interesting in Job's discussion with his friends and in God's diagnosis of the situation Not once is the true culprit in all this ever mentioned. We learn this later in Scripture. I don't know that Job ever was aware of Satan's work, but Satan was very much the one responsible for inflicting these terrible harms on Job. God does not mention Satan. Job does not mention Satan. Job's friends do not mention Satan, and yet Scripture tells us in Job chapters 1 and 2 that Satan was the one responsible for all of this suffering. And if we think about it, if we look at this from our own experience, I think we can understand that there is a malevolent force at work in the world. We, we see its face, so to speak, in the pages of history, We see it in the faces of men like Adolf Hitler and Joseph Stalin. We see absolute evil personified in the concentration camps of Auschwitz and Dachau. We see absolute evil, a malevolent force at work in the political and religious genocides that have taken place on the continent of Africa. And we see absolute evil rearing its head in totalitarian regimes like North Korea we have a sense that there is a malevolent force at work. We have a sense that there is absolute evil at work in the world, and the Bible calls this malevolent force Satan. Who is Satan? Well, to identify Satan, let's go to one verse in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 12, verse 9. In the book of Revelation, the Apostle John is is experiencing a series of visions, And in Revelation 12, he sees in one vision a great dragon cast out. He says that that dragon is the serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast down to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. From this verse, we learn several things about Satan. Now, he's first introduced to us in the Bible as a serpent. Here he's described as a dragon, and I think if you just use a little bit of imagination, you can see the crossover between the serpent and the dragon. Now, later on, he's called Satan or the devil. This is, these are generally the titles by which he's known in the Bible. But the words Satan and devil simply mean accuser or false accuser. Jesus calls Satan a prince. He calls him the ruler or prince of this world in John chapter 14, verse 30. And of course, we see Satan's authority displayed in his temptation of Jesus. He takes Jesus up to a very high mountain. He shows Jesus the kingdoms of the world, and he says, I will give all of these kingdoms to you if you will fall down and worship me. Satan had the authority to give these kingdoms over to Jesus, and Jesus was tempted to take him up on this, but he resisted, obviously responding with Scripture. But Jesus recognized the authority of Satan. He recognized that Satan was a ruler, a prince of this world. Paul calls him the prince of the power of the air. So Satan is a serpent. He's symbolized by a dragon. He's called an an accuser or a false accuser. He's called the prince of this world, the prince of the power of the air. And he falls into the category, the very broad category of what we call angels. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 14, Paul is talking about false teachers, and he says false teachers are influenced by the demonic realm. And he says that even Satan himself can transform himself into an angel of light, an angel of light, a messenger of light. I believe this tells us that Satan is like the other spirits who are called angels in the Bible. And as Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, he is the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. So Satan is a part of the angelic hosts, and he's a ruler. And we know that Satan is a powerful being because he led a portion of the angelic hosts in a rebellion against God. In Revelation chapter 12, verse number 9, John sees Satan's angels cast down to earth with him. These angels are presumably the same angels who sinned against God, who rebelled against God in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, and also Jude, verse 6. Now, what's interesting is that the angels were apparently given the same gift as us. They apparently had the same gift of free will, but unlike human beings... Angels were not given the opportunity to repent. When they sinned, they were cast from the presence of God. And at the head of this rebellious angelic host is Satan. He led them in this rebellion against God. Now, as we begin to put all this together, I think one thing we can conclude is that Satan is what we would call an archangel. The word archangel simply means a ruler of angels. As far as I know, there's only one angel who is called an archangel in the Bible, and that's Michael. In fact, we see him in Revelation 12 leading the host of God against the host of Satan and his angels. When Paul talks about our war, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, he says, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Paul says there are powers in the spiritual realm, wicked powers, evil powers, against which we as Christians... Uh, battle against which we war as Christians, principalities, powers, rulers. And Satan, I think, would fall within this hierarchy of the evil realm, so to speak. As Paul says later in verse 16, when we take up the shield of faith, we will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, the wicked one being Satan. He is part of that. those principalities, those powers. In fact, I would argue he is the head of the wicked angelic realm. But as an archangel, though Satan is powerful, he is not equal with God. Remember, Satan is a created being, and therefore he is not equal with God. God has no beginning and no end. Satan has a definite beginning. And at least twice, Satan is depicted as contending with Michael the archangel. And in both of those instances, Satan is depicted as being on the losing side. He contended with Michael the archangel over the body of Moses. Jude tells us this in verse number 9. And he contended with Michael and the the righteous angelic host in Revelation chapter 12, verse number 7. Satan is seen as leading the rebellious angels against Michael and the angels of God. And in both of those instances, when he contended with Michael over the body of Moses, when he fights with Michael in Revelation chapter 12, he is shown to be defeated by the forces of good. When he fights with Michael, he is contending with a being that is of equal power and authority, and Satan is found to be on the losing side. Now, without question, Satan is our enemy. He is the one that we face, and he is the one we must defeat. And as we'll talk about in our next episode, we have victory over Satan through Jesus Christ. That at the cross of Jesus, he secured our victory over this malevolent force, over this being Satan, so that we can conquer death, we can conquer our greatest enemy by Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to the Gospel Saves podcast. If you found this program useful, please visit thegospelsaves.me to find blogs, videos, and Bible studies. If you enjoyed the music on this podcast, please visit acapeldridge.com. You can also find Acapeldridge on Apple Music, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, and Facebook. May God bless you as you seek to know His perfect will.